Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Park. Right up front. is now in hour number two here on this uh, wild wednesday a uh, wild it is because man another great night of sports i'm so pumped up revved up fired up and of course it could be exciting or it could be nerve-wracking depending on who you're rooting for lakers and the warriors tonight game number five and we're back in san francisco will the warriors extend this series i firmly believe they will and then we got the Golden Knights in Edmonton. Game number four there before the Knights head back to T-Mobile Arena coming up this weekend. So that game is at 7 o'clock. Uh, looking forward to it all here tonight. And uh, we continue on here, hour number two. We will go live to Edmonton. We go from England to Edmonton. Is Jesus Lopez, uh, a good friend, the Spanish voice of the Vegas Golden Knights uh, radio network. He's going to join us from Edmonton. Definitely get some... Uh, Get some food stuff with Jose. I I need to guide him on on, on where to go because I think you know when he is back there, he's just he's not sure where to go. You know, he, I think he just kind of sits in that hotel, and you know he's has his lucha libre mask on. He's watching old wrestling videos and doing his homework for the Golden Knights. We gotta get we gotta get Jesus out there. You know, get him out there. And the question is, are there any Mexican restaurants in Edmonton? That's what I want to know. Numbchuck, get on that. I got some. I got some recommendations from from Team TC Martin Show in Canada. You know, we're we're big Team Canada in, in, in Manitoba. Team Canada, we're huge in Edmonton. Christy with a C, she's probably listening. Christy with a C, Cat with a K. Shout out to our lovely ladies out there. Shout out to Alan Snell, LVSportsBiz.com. Kind enough to drop in and join us today. What is happening, my man? TC, I um, usually I just get hungry when I come down, here, but now we got some serious news to bite into. We do, but before we get into that, okay, yes, I, yes, I have I have a terrible Tuesday leftover here, okay, that we need we need to get to here, and so the NFL schedule is you know comes out tomorrow, but they they come out in little dribs and drabs, exactly the little teaser stuff. There's some leakage, yeah, yeah, but they wanted to make sure that they they gave us uh, this one, okay, Numchuck. They wanted to give us this today. All right. So the NFL has made a, an announcement that we've got, and for me, I'm calling this, this is more bad news. This is, more, this is terrible Tuesday stuff, all right? The NFL schedule will be officially re- released tomorrow, but today, what do we get? This breaking news? We're having the very first Black Friday game. The Black Friday game. What the heck? Does this mean, well, you know what Black Friday is, right? It's the Friday after Thanksgiving, and we are going to get football. It's Miami against the Jets. So now Aaron Rodgers gets uh, another, I guess, semi-primetime game, even though this will be 12 
p.m. here on the West Coast, 3 o'clock Eastern time. It'll be the first ever Black Friday game. And what cracks me up is when they release this, they go, it's historic, a historic Black Friday. How is this historic? Please put this in perspective, Alan Snell, in the annals of history, how having a game on a Friday afternoon because it's this pseudo-holiday, okay? And I say pseudo-holiday because it's a pseudo-holiday, which means it's phony, all right? Let's go shopping. Let's get everyone to go spend money and drop prices, even though half the places don't drop their prices. Friday, November 24th, 12 noon, Miami and the Jets, historic news, and it's going to be on Amazon. Oh, yes. Here's what the vice president of programming for Amazon says. We're excited to be the home of the first ever NFL Black Friday game. And what better way to kick off this tradition than with a rivalry matchup? Rivalry matchup. Is it, is it Packers Bears? Packers Vikings? Is it, you know, you know, Raiders Chiefs? No, it's Dolphins and the Jets. One of the biggest shopping days of the year. We're thrilled to offer another way to delight Amazon customers and give all the fans free access to this AFC East showdown. Well, I, I got to tell you, if we're going to talk about history, I'm going to compare a movie to what the NFL is doing. And that is when I was a little kid, the first scary movie was The Blob, which basically <laughs> went around and gobbled everything up. <laughs> and the NFL's... NFL, the NFL's TV schedule basically is going around and just gobbling up every single date on the calendar. Yeah. First they did Christmas, which went, meant they were going head to head with the, uh, NBA. Mm-hmm. Usually Christmas is the NBA's day to shine. Now we got this Black Friday rhetoric and Black Friday, that Friday, usually, you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, TC, but it's usually a big college football, high school football kind of game. It is. It is. Usually three, four games. Yeah, some really yeah. good, cool S- rivalry kind SEC. Of it used to be LSU and Arkansas, Texas, Texas. Remember Nebraska, Colo- uh, Nebraska, Colorado yes. was a great game? Even Nebraska, Oklahoma back in the yeah. day. They yeah. would play on that So time. now the NFL blob of the TV schedule mm-hmm. is eating like up it. even Black Friday and taking away attention, eyeballs from, you know, these great college football games. So. I don't know, but I'm not quite sure how the Blob movie ended. I'm trying to, I was so, it was the first horror movie I watched as a little kid. And I'm, I think, I, I don't think it was like Jaws where the guy shot a, like a torpedo into the shark or something, but it was a shark that was actually a mechanical shark. And how did not, how, how did the, they go, bing, how come it didn't do that? Yeah. I mean, they could have taken care of it like early on in the movie, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, other holiday games that were leaked out. All right, ready for this? All right, so we got a Christmas game, and that's going to be the Giants in Philadelphia. So, and, and I, of course, lo- I like the Christmas games. Of course, we like the Thanksgiving games. And then we have a New Year's Eve game with the Bengals and the Chiefs. Well, that'll be a great game. That that has actually become a pretty fierce little rivalry in the AFC. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's how, that's definitely a high mark. How do you game. feel about Amazon games? I don't, I'm not into them. Exactly. They had an absolute horror show of games last year, the Thursday nights. Of course. Good Lord. They put people to sleep week after week. And it just, you know, and I got to tell you, 
a lot of people didn't even know where to find the game, TC. Tell me about it. I know it, it was horrible. Remember when they announced that the sports books were going crazy? They're going like, well, we're not sure we're going to be able to offer this. And, and if the sports books can't even offer, can you imagine like Joe NFL fan? That's like my trying point. to figure right. out like, like, where is this Amazon on my uh, cable, sh- you know, box? Well, Alan, I am just, I am really afraid uh, of this NFL Sunday ticket situation because the reason why I got DirecTV back in the late 90s was specifically for that. So you could watch the out-of-market games. Exactly. And now exactly. you're taking that away and you're putting that on YouTube TV. It's not an easy fix to go from Amazon to a regular channel and flip back and forth. The YouTube, you know, any any of the smart TV I get type it. They're of stuff. Chasing, I, they're, it's, chasing it's the, they're chasing the billion-dollar revenue, you know. It's, it's a joke, though. Yeah. I mean, they weren't doing well enough with DirecTV for all these years, and now uh, it, it's not a cheap package that YouTube is offering here. I, I think this is really going to be a nightmare right. for see, sports books and everybody. We have to acknowledge the fact that the Black Friday, though, was not a surprise per se. We we all knew Black Friday was coming down the pipe. It was just um, it was interesting to hear. It was kind of funny to hear the the hype and the uh, the promotion and the goofy uh, yeah the goofy way they. <laughs> you know, they, they tried to kind of pimp out the game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Making it larger in life. And let's be honest, this really has the makings of, of being a dud of the game, too. There's no guarantee that Miami or the Jets are going to be any good. Look at the team last year that was everyone's expectation, the Denver Broncos. They were on, in fact, if I recall, TC, they were on one of, one of those dud games on Thursday night yep. where it was like one of those, you know, six to three games or whatever. And, you know, you're right. You just never know what a team will pan out. I mean, you do have flex, I guess, some in some parts of the schedule. But the Broncos last year were, you know, because of the Wilson acquisition, was on prime time every single yeah. week. It was like enough already. And hey, look at the Jets right now. I mean, the, the Jets are getting well, a lot no, of prime the same time thing. games. You know, it's the same thing, obviously, yeah. with Aaron. I mean, that's a big yeah. deal. So they're the uh, they're the um, the hot the hot team. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's talk about the hot uh, item here locally. Yes, sir. We just had Alan on just last week uh, regarding this, and the A's ballpark has taken another turn here where the A's have come to an agreement with Bally's. All right, they agree on a deal yesterday uh, to purchase the land there at uh, Tropicana Las Vegas Boulevard, home of the Tropicana Hotel and Casino, uh, one of the last uh, old-school joints uh, around here. Alan, we sat here last week and we were talking about the deal with Station Casinos in the old Wild West property uh, on that piece of land, you know, purchasing those, what, 49 acres. And then all of a sudden we're here, oh, no, that's scrap now. Now it's all about Bally's. Now we're going to blow up the Tropicana. So take me back here. What happened? What happened to the Station Casinos deal? Uh, well, I got to tell you, you're dealing with two of the most unconventional entities. First of all, the Oakland Athletics. They are the most unconventional franchise in baseball. And then it's Las Vegas where anything goes. And you combine the two. And somehow you had a – obviously the Athletics were reading the tea leaves and that the $500 million ask in public money because of that site was probably not floating over too well. And guess what? They found out a chance to save some money, and they went to the, like you mentioned, the corner of Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard. It is one of the busiest intersections in our market. 
anyone who's been down there knows how what what a con- what a mess it could be on uh, in the early evening on entertainment. That's without construction. Look how it's been the last couple of months with construction. Exactly, yeah. and they they chose this site because now they can reduce the funding ask from five hundred million to three hundred and ninety five million. I just got off the phone with Jeremy Aguero, who's a consultant. For the Oakland Athletics, I asked him, I said, Jeremy, point blank, what is the minimum amount that Clark County will be asked to fund through bonds? The min- This is the minimum. I, have a, I, I bet it's going to be more than this, but he said they're going to have to float at least $100 million in bonds out of the $395 million pun- you know, funding package. That intersection is... I got to tell you, TC, I don't know if you heard about this. This this was kind of out there before. This is not a surprise. This, you know, the, the, the concept of the athletics going and using the Tropicana Hotel site at that intersection has been kind of floated before. And when it was, most people didn't take it seriously because who would put a 32,000-seat stadium at one of the busiest intersections in Las Vegas in a market that, let's be polite here, is a little challenge when it comes to mass transit transportation mm-hmm. options. I'm trying to be polite now. Yeah. And accurate though. And, you know, again, you know, um, Jeremy Aguero said that if you read the story, the story leads lvsportsbiz.com right now. You should log on, check out the story. He did say, you know, all the right things about how they're going to pursue multimodal transportation resources like pedestrian bridges and, I mean, let's face it. They're going to have to use basically the existing parking garages in that area. I mean, the the Golden Knights, as you know, they draw 18,000 people. Mm. We're talking about 30,000 people now. So you're going to have to cram another 12,000 people in there. I will say this, TC. You know, at the at the – it's kind of funny. We call it the old ballpark site for all of like two or three weeks. Yeah. You know, the old site. It was like, you know, a couple of weeks. Yeah. But they uh, – they according to Aguerrero, he had mentioned that he thought just slightly than 30% of the fans would be visitors. The one thing I will say about this site, you will see a higher percentage of tourists oh, big time. At, at this particular site. But will it be – at the expense of the locals who will just, you know, like like you just mentioned, who are already having nightmares about the idea of attending a game at one of the busiest intersections on the Strip. You mentioned this is going to reduce the public funding. $500 million was was talked about with the station casinos deal on the other side of TROP in I-15. Now this, what we're hearing is $395 million. Correct. Okay, so... How does how does that come into play? And is this is there still a public funding issue here? Because locals have been screaming about this ever since they this was announced. So is this still an issue? Yes, it is. And the legislative bill that is being shaped right now in Carson City is still being shaped, and there's still negotiations going on. And in fact, I got to tell you. Aguero told me that there's obviously no guarantee that there will even be a bill done, you know, within the next 27 days or whenever the uh, the session ends uh, in early June. And point blank, I said, are we going to get a special session? And he said, could be. So this could be going into overtime, TC. Mm-hmm. The uh, funding ask is definitely still an issue, maybe less, but still an issue for sure. Clark County 
is the fiscal agent on this deal. They will be asked to float the bonds, to sell the bonds. As you know, you know, we did have the COVID situation where Clark County, not once but twice, did have to dip into the contingency fee uh, fund to pay off the debt on the Raider Stadium bonds. So, you know, they, they have that in the back of their mind. As, and here's the athletics just parachuting into Las Vegas saying, hey, you know, can you float at least another $100 million worth of bonds? So, you know, this is definitely, in answer to your question, it's a hard yes. Yeah. You mentioned this was one of the original things we talked about two years ago about that land. Okay. It was the Tropicana. They were talking about going there or where the Rio is. Those were the two things, the two sites. And then we the Rio has others. been discussed yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And also the festival sites on Sahara. And, and that was another. Yeah. So, all right. So now we get to Bally's and they're going to construct a, what, a 1500 seat hotel and casino across the street from the park. So where exactly is is that going? I to don't be? know. I uh, I have I have calls into Bally's. I have not received any feedback from them. And what will the property be called? As far as not the park, but just the hotel casino is that going to be Bally's or you know we just went from Bally's to the Horseshoe? Right. What are we going to call? You need this? a scorecard just to keep up yeah, with yeah. this stuff. I'm confused. Um, we don't know. They ha- they haven't uh, they haven't talked about the branding of the new hotel. Or do they do they you know? stay with some heritage here and call it the Tropicana again, or maybe a variation using the word Tropicana. I think it was just confusing to people trying to keep up with the wild, wild West side, which is on Tropicana, which is the road to now the Tropicana site, which is the hotel, Right. you know? And I mean, I just say it's the intersection to make it, to make it simple for people to understand. I mean, in fact, there's the new hotel right behind it. In fact, uh, right. You know, that's going to benefit, mm-hmm. you know, that would, but again, you know, this is not a done deal. You know, there's legislation that still needs to be actually proposed mm-hmm. and voted on. So, um, you know, it's, I, <clears throat> there's part of me is just kind of, it's almost comical to think of <laughs> a baseball park at that intersection. And, but then again, you almost have to suspend reality when when you think about what goes on in the strip because I'm used to conventional planning principles done for ballparks and stadiums around the country. Yeah. And they don't apply to the strip, TC. I mean, no. it, it's crazy because, you know, the strip, I call it the Vatican of gambling yeah. where it kind of exists as a state within a state mm-hmm. where even Clark County's conventional planning principles – they don't even apply. I mean, nothing against the Raiders Stadium, but let's face it, they caught a big break by having only 2,500, you know, surface parking spaces yeah. at a stadium for 62,000 seats. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, granted, they, they, they're relying on a lot of people parking on the strip and walking across uh, the interstate on Hacienda. I get that. Uh, and the same kind of concepts going on. I, I do want to address a few things in the story. You know, Jeremy had mentioned that, well, it's not uncommon to have sports venues kind of jammed into like downtown areas. And he mentioned the baseball field in San Diego that you know very yep. well, right? Yep. That's but keep in mind, you remember when it was built? There was not much was there. That's the thing. And the ballpark was actually used as an economic development spur mm-hmm. to really develop that part of San Diego. Another neighborhood ballpark, Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. Neighborhood ballpark 
It's an, I mean, this ballpark goes back decades and decades and decades. I mean, if there's one place that probably doesn't need an economic redevelopment jolt per se, it's probably Las Vegas Boulevard <laughs> yeah. and Tropicana. Well, let me say about about the, uh, those points because I was going to bring that up. Okay, when when Petco Park uh, was built, and then San Francisco with the Giants, built. right? Okay, which is those- which the San Francisco Giant Stadium is built on a small footprint site, exactly about fourteen acres. But keep in mind that is bounded by a lot of transit public resources right. that's, built into that's it. what i was gonna say so remember going way back in the day okay when they started building these stadiums they were usually in the suburbs okay in the rural well rural like parts, the riverfront right? stadiums of the all day. of that okay yeah. and then you go back to detroit and the pontiac silver they were, multi, and all they were multi-use yeah off the but, but they yeah. and they were in Basically, in when you know Sacramento did the exact same thing with Arco Arena and that sort of thing, then they started to go, okay, let's get this more to the mainstream. Let's get it to downtown. The reason why they did the outskirts because they thought it'd be easier for traffic flow for the suburban and, right, population, popu- right? And then they started building restaurants uh, and hotels and housing around those those places. Then I don't know about 10, 15 years ago, the uh, avant-garde thing was to do, Hey, let's do this, this downtown, you know, ballparks. But like you said, in those cities that have downtown ballparks, they were usually warehouse districts. They were the land was cheaper. The land was cheaper, but there was nothing around there. And it was, it was a dump and they would take Coors Field and Denver is a great example. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then they built up around that. This is the total opposite. Like you said, you're going right in the middle of the hub here already. <laughs> so that's what's 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 strange with all that. So and like I mentioned, um, I thought there was a, a, a there's a. In fact, I used uh, Jeremy's quote as the headline that, yeah, we're going to ha- infrastructure will definitely be needed. It was like, um, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Alan Snell joins us. LVSportsBiz.com. Go to his website and read his latest article just published uh, within the hour or so. The latest on the A's ballpark taking a different turn. Curveball here as uh, the A's and Bally's come to an agreement on a deal of the land of uh, the Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard, currently where the Tropicana Hotel is. Uh, so, Alan, it, it's been a while since we've had an implosion. Well, we're, we're, we're going to have an implosion. I know. We, I, the last one was the Riv. I remember the Riv. You know, um, they're always fun. You know, and, and, you know, talk about implosions. One of the great implosions, and this is a connection to a ballpark you're talking about in Seattle. They imploded. And here's a great. Oh, the Kingdom. Here's a great trivia a yeah. question. What is the only ballpark to open in the middle of a season? It was the Seattle Mariners at the time. I think it was called Safeco Safeco uh, Field, right? Yeah, and yeah. they demolished the old Kingdom yeah. in the middle of the season, right. and they opened yeah. that stadium, the ballpark for the Mariners. I was working at the Post Intelligencer at the time in downtown Seattle. Interviewed the very first fan who went through the turnstile at the uh, the old cool. Mariners Safeco Field, yeah. and um. Implosions are always fun. To, I mean, they're they're kind of like events. By let's themselves. go cover an implosion tonight. What are we doing? <laughs> hey, let's go check out the implosion. Yeah, we talked earlier in the show about. Uh, I remember the Riv. Uh, right when I first. Well, let me ask you, TC. I mean, if let's say let's say in the event there is a baseball game at the earliest twenty twenty seven, so we have a little we have a little time to plan our transportation route. Yeah, like four or five years. But what would be your transportation? 
technique to get down to a baseball game at mm-hmm. Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard? Getting dropped off. Just doing the rideshare. Yeah. Doing do, rideshare. Do, do, doing the rideshare, whether it's somebody I know or doing the rideshare. I mean, that would have to be it. I'll be honest with you. And I, Where would I, you be dropped yeah. off? I mean, would you be dropped off like a block or two away? As Where close or? as I can possibly okay. get. I want to walk as, as with, with, with less a, as possible. With with minimum traffic around. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, where is that? I mean, it's, <laughs> you, there's not many options. There's not really any side streets that you can really do that at, you know? You know, it, it's, it's going to be difficult. And like I said, there's, wow. There has to be plenty of infrastructure planning that has to go around this. In again, what they think about Alan, as you know, they look at that. Hey, what's it going to look like from the blimp? The overhead view. <laughs> it's going to look gorgeous, right? But then look at if you expand the blimp view, you've got bumper to bumper traffic exactly. for miles. So that's interesting. Crazy. I love the aerials of the strip. You have this amazing Hollywood set on steroids view of this amazing three-mile corridor. And then you go on the back streets and you see some of the stuff on Coval or Dean Martin. Yeah. Right? I mean, it gets it kind of drops off quickly. Well, let me ask you this, and I, I know you probably don't have the answer, but uh, it would be interesting to find out. Um, when would the Tropicana doors close? And you know, when would that demolishment happen? Yeah, that would that would be... You know that 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 would be definitely. And how are you feeling if you're a Tropicana employee right now? That's tough. That's mm-hmm. tough. I mean, I mean, there's always, I guess, you know, other other companies in town to you know grab onto. Yeah, yeah. The um, but do we have any idea? I mean, how long this will b- before they 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 shut the doors? It, I would I would think, once it becomes official, of course. Right, but, yeah. right. I mean. The they want to break they want to break ground on this in 2024. They're following a very ambitious timeline. <laughs> I mean, they need f- this bill to be passed and approved this year because, from what I understand, Dave Cavill told me he wants MLB approval by the end by the fall of 2023 mm-hmm. in order to have the groundbreaking on that site at 2024 i would imagine it would be you know, the place would be you can keep the place open for another year or two you know, couldn't you while while there's construction <laughs> i mean could, but you, but, you but, could, but, yeah. but the, yeah. the thing is though if you if you're going to demolish it to make way for this for the ballpark you know, it could be, you know, it could be it for Tropicana next year. I guess. And have right? we seen any rendering? It would be, it would be shortly after the yeah. the groundbreaking. So, have we seen any renderings on I how it would fit, or which way home plate would be, or what you'd be facing? You know, it's really interesting. Yeah. You, you had, uh, you know, you have this interesting connection to the Tampa Bay sports market, uh-huh. and they are struggling with a baseball park situation, mm-hmm. and they actually were looking at building at, at one time a baseball park. Um, at I believe there were going to be at the believe it or not the soccer team plays the Rowdies play in the old spring training home right on the waterfront in St. Petersburg they were going to demolish that and build a small wedge in a small uh, baseball park there and here's and to your point about like the direction of home plate they actually had like home plate kind of like um burned into short right field <laughs> at the at the spring training ballpark there uh on the waterfront in yeah. uh in St. Petersburg so i mean that's that in itself would be kind of interesting i mean just you know for the layout of that but again i've i've not seen any renderings you'd think 
the athletics would have like a really pretty picture of this ballpark, you know, wedged in there among the yeah. uh, um, of the behemoth buildings there. You know, I mean, and it would be you know it would be great for PR and get the hype going. Yeah. Obviously, nothing really gets off the ground un- until. The sausage is made in uh, Carson City. The sausage is made. There's a food <laughs> reference. There it is, Meat Hook. I appreciate that. <laughs> he is Alan Snell. Go check out his website. Support his website as well, too, at lvsportsbiz.com. It is uh, the best to find out uh, what is happening in our To see what's your prediction for tonight, Golden Knights versus Edmonton. What's your call? Edmonton gets it done tonight. I just got it. But you think end, maybe an overtime or a regular session? Nah, I, I think it could... They're going to take Edmonds. Like, take a five, their like a 5 2 win? I'm thinking like a 5 2 win or maybe a 4 1 win or something okay. like that, I think. But again, don't talk to me because I, I'm horrible at predicting hockey. It, it's, it is the most unpredictable thing. I'm fine in every other sport, but man. Look at the uh, Florida Panthers. They have the Maple Leafs on the ropes. Yeah, on the ropes. I mean, talk about sausage. They're cooked. <laughs> like the Panthers are cooked. All right, brother. I appreciate you uh, coming by today, man. It's always, oh, always, always great, great to swing by, man. All right. We'll see you uh, everywhere. All right, from uh, um, the T-Mobile Arena for the Golden Knights, the Aces, right around the corner. We look forward to seeing you. Media Day. Don't forget Aces Media Day. You got it. All right, we come back. Jesus Lopez, the Spanish voice of the Golden Knights, joins us live from Edmonton. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me beg. T.C. Martin. Of course, you are a character. Doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. I want to thank Alan Snell for coming by, talking about the latest with the Las Vegas ballpark situation here regarding the Oakland A's. And again, that is taking a big turn from just where we were just days ago. Or now, that'll be at the site of the Tropicana Hotel and Casino. And Bally's uh, owns that property. So the deal with the Station Casino's out. And the deal with Bally's now in for that. All right, so go to lvsportsbiz.com for all of uh, your information regarding any of the sports business here uh, in our fair city, uh, especially this. Alan does a fantastic job. I always appreciate him uh, being our guy uh, in the trenches there, wherever it is, if it's uh, got to do with the Raiders or the Aces or now the A's. Uh, great stuff, but he's, he's on top of that story. Go check it out at lvsportsbiz.com. All right, tonight, uh, looking forward to two big-time games, one in the NBA and one in the NHL. And from the NBA standpoint, you've got the Golden State Warriors trying to stave off elimination. As crazy as that sounds, that is the fact. And I say it's crazy because... Yes, they're the defending champions, but we know that they're not the same team that they've been the last few years. They finished as the sixth seed, but probably the biggest surprise here is the Lakers because the Lakers were expected to do pretty well this year, even though they won a championship in 2020 when they were in the bubble. And it was kind of, they won a championship, but there's like an asterisk there pretty much for all that. Lakers have LeBron James. They got Anthony Davis. They start off horrendous. They were a team that was in disarray. They had plenty of injuries. 
And then Rob Palenka made some massive substitutions and changes with the roster, uh, replenishing it with shipping six guys out and six guys in. That's half of your roster, half of your 12-man roster. And they were in 13th position on the outside looking in. They were not one of the top eight teams once the playoffs began. They had to get involved and go through the play-in tournament with a victory against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then they had to fight their way in, and they got in as the number seven seed. They've had some games where they have not looked very good, uh, but during this series, they've looked exceptionally well. Now, I think when they played the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round, you had the John Morant situation that was hanging over like a dark cloud. And I mean that for two ways. One is John Morant was hurt, um, had a very badly sprained wrist, which affected his game. And then he was coming off uh, a suspension for, you know, his act and a bunch of nonsense uh, that, you know, incurred, you know, off the court from just stupid stuff from the mall situation where he went off on somebody, he threw a basketball at a kid, um, kid threatened to burn down his house in a, in a, in a pickup game at his house. Then you had the situation where they're in Indiana playing the Pacers, the Grizzlies were, and jaw and his entourage were flashing the red laser beam. <laughs> just, just craziness threatened to, to kill people. I mean, just nonsense. So that had something to do with it. And the Lakers got on a roll, uh, even though they did get destroyed in one of those games, and they came back and won. But against the Warriors, the Warriors still had the home court advantage, even though they were sixth seed and the Lakers were the seventh seed. You had the the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry, with Clay Thompson, with Draymond Green, with Andrew Wiggins coming back and playing exceptionally well. And it looked like, okay, this is, you know, going to be a Warriors series victory, even though the Warriors struggled mightily against the Kings, who had a great year. They were the number three seed. But when the series started and the Lakers got game number one against the Warriors, and they won that game in San Francisco, you can make the case, if you want, that the Warriors come off a seven-game series, the Lakers had two more days of rest, and... The Warriors weren't ready to play. And that was evident what happened in game one, where the Warriors lost 117, 112. Anthony Davis showed up. He had 30 points and 23 rebounds in game one. LeBron James had 22 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, D'Angelo Russell and Dennis Schroeder showed up big time. And they each had 19 points. The Lakers were 25 for 29 from the free throw line. Golden State shot only six free throws in that game. So you figure, okay, maybe it's a one-off, right? Well, it looked that way because in game two, two nights later, the Warriors blasted the Lakers 127 to 100 where Golden State outscored the Lakers 101 to 67 from the second quarter uh, to the end of the third quarter. Golden State shot 50% from the floor, 50% from threes. They hit 21 of 32, uh, 42 shots from there. The Lakers were 10 for 34 from three. So... You figured, okay, now we're going to go to Los Angeles, probably going to have ourselves a series. But what you didn't expect is the Lakers to win by 30 in game number three. 127 to 97. And Anthony Davis, who didn't show up in game two, the every, every other game scenario, showed up 
in the third game with 25 points and 13 rebounds. LeBron James and D'Angelo Russell, 21 points apiece, and the Lakers shot 52%. Uh, 48% from beyond the three-point arc where they connected on 15 three-pointers in 31 attempts. So what happens in game number four? Well, you figure, okay, the Warriors usually don't look bad in back-to-back games, and they didn't. The Lakers, uh, I'm sorry, the Warriors came out, played well. They usually get off to traditionally slow starts, and they have turnovers. Well, they did that, but they overcame, and Golden State blew a double-digit lead again, just like they did in game number three, to end up losing by 30. They had a 12-point lead late in the third quarter, and then the fourth quarter, it all fell apart. Overall, the Warriors committed 16 turnovers. They only got to the free-throw line 12 times. The Lakers got to the line 20 times, and they were 20 for 20 from there. 20 for 20. The Lakers are shooting the lights out, especially at the free-throw line, and more importantly, they're getting to the free-throw line. But the Warriors have killed themselves time and time again, and not just in this series, but in their history, your recent history here, when they lose games, they turn the ball over way too much. 19 turnovers in game three, 16 turnovers in game number four, and despite coming back, they didn't have enough, and they made some really bonehead decisions in the last few possessions. Draymond Green has the ball in the corner, penetrates driving to the hoop down the baseline, throws an ill-advised pass, it's turned over. Steph Curry had a turnover. Quick shot by Curry um, from 29 feet, ill-advised, and they had a chance to take the lead uh, with a minute and a half to go. Warriors lost by three, 104 to 101. So as this series sits right now, the Lakers are in control three games to one. Now, everyone will tell you, and the hot headline right now is, well, the Warriors' record, when they are down three games to one in best of seven series, they are one in 14. Okay. Warriors are still alive, and I'll tell you why. They're alive because you have Steph Curry. You got Clay Thompson, who had a bad game. All right. They still have the firepower. You still have Andrew Wiggins, and you got Kayvon Looney, and you've got a very, very deep team. And we've talked about time and time again, one of the main reasons why the Warriors have you know, won four championships in the last eight years is they get the production from the unsung guys off the bench. They've been getting that. They've just been turning the ball over. When they take care of the ball and have less than 10 turnovers, they usually win games. So you have that going for you. You have the factor that they are at home tonight. And then if they can force a game six, they'll have to win on the road. But then if they win that game, they got game seven. Most people just write off a team that's down 3-1. But most of the time, the team that is down 3-1, they don't have two of the final three games on their home floor. They're usually the lower-seeded team. So I think everybody expects the Warriors to win. If you've been watching this series, you're going to expect the Warriors to win. 
Don't get caught up in the LeBron and the Anthony Davis thing and the Lakers and being a public team. Forget all that. All right. Bottom line is the Warriors are the better team, the talented team, but over seven games, that usually bears itself out. Sometimes it doesn't. There was really not much difference between the Warriors and the Kings. And that went seven games, and the Warriors won games five and seven on the road, backs against the wall. In a big game six, they won at home. Stave off elimination. So expect the Warriors to win tonight. They're seven and a half point favorites. It's just funny how the narrative changes after every game. You know, when the Warriors won by 27, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're going to get it done. And then the Lakers won game three. Well, yeah, Lakers, you know, but they're going to lose game four. They didn't. Another factor to watch tonight, and again, this is another misnomer that's out there, and it's a ridiculous comment. Well, since the Lakers have game six at home, maybe they'll just, you know, put all their eggs in that basket and they'll take it easy tonight. <laughs> You think players are going to go into a game saying, yeah, we're going to rest tonight. We're going to take the night off. No. The Warriors are going to be on fire, at least from an emotional standpoint. They might not be hitting all their shots, but emotionally they're going to be charged and they're going to come out and try to make a statement. All right? Now, in game two, conventional wisdom was because the Lakers won game one, well, they'll coast a little bit in the second half and specifically like the fourth quarter if they get behind. They didn't, all right? They just got drilled, all right? LeBron James and Anthony Davis were still playing in the third quarter. Despite them getting blown out and really never in that game in the second half, they were on the floor with about seven and a half minutes to go. So don't expect LeBron James to take the night off or Anthony Davis to take the night off. Their numbers might be down. But if that's the case, that's because they would be outplayed. They'll be deed up by the Warriors, and they'll have bad shooting nights. This could come down to be a great game. It could be a close game. Hey, Lakers could just continue this momentum and just keep rolling. That's what happened with the Kings against the Warriors, right? The, the Warriors had that mojo, and there was never looking back. The Warriors came back, and they won three games in a row. Warriors could win three in a row in this situation, especially since two of the three final games are on their home floor. So Steve Kerr, the Warriors, they've been here. They've done that. They're not going to be panicked. They're not hanging their head. Their approach is this, one game at a time. And I think this is exactly why they're a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, Okay, the same that they were in games one and two. People expect them to win this game. Not because it, they're due or a zigzag theory, anything of that nature. It's because they have the deeper team, the better talent, and you expect them to take care of business. All right? Take nothing away from the Lakers. They've been fantastic. Can maybe even say even Arash Mikazi, who came on here, covers the Lakers. He says they're playing way over their heads. Never expected that. All right? So... That is the general feeling. We'll see how it plays out tonight. Now, we go to Edmonton, and the Golden Knights are playing the Edmonton Oilers tonight, as we know, in game number four. And the Golden Knights 
were very impressive in that Game 3 victory as a $2 underdog like they are tonight. The Golden Knights uh, fell behind 2 minutes and 45 seconds into that contest at Edmonton. The crowd was going crazy, and they scored. But what happened after that, it was all Golden Knights as VGK scored the next five goals and one going away by a final score five to one. Our good friend, Jesus Lopez, who does the Spanish broadcasts uh, for the Golden Knights radio network, is live in Edmonton, and he joins us now. My friend, what's going on, Jesus? Hey, DJ Martin, how you doing? Uh, thank you for having me. It's an honor being on your show, DJ. Oh, how's it going? Everything all right over there in Vegas? Everything's good. We're just, you know, we're anticipating, my friend. We could hardly wait for this thing to, to get unfolded. But, Jesus, I want to go back to game number three the other night. And we saw uh-huh. the Golden Knights score five unanswered goals uh, after Edmonton jumped on top. Um, we talked with you when you were in Winnipeg. We know that's a hockey hotbed town. Uh, they were fired up, but you know, the Edmonton Oilers are a better team than Winnipeg. That fan base is maybe even stronger than Winnipeg's. I want to know what was that juice like in the arena? What was the atmosphere like, especially, you know, leading up to the opening face off and then after Edmonton scored the first goal? As you know, TC, I didn't know anything about hockey now since, uh, uh, the beginning of the Vegas Golden Knights history, but I'm learning, you know, as I go. But the thing is that this never stopped surprising me. I thought that I saw everything as far as passion was concerned in Winnipeg, but Edmonton is crazy, TC. You know, just to tell you one little detail, as soon as I was leaving the uh, hotel the first morning here in Edmonton, uh, uh, the uh, guy at the, the doorman asked me, where are you going? And I told him, you know, I'm trying to get to this restaurant. And uh, are you going to be wearing that hat? <laughs> I was wearing my Vegas Golden Knights hat. <laughs> And just flat out, he said, are you going to be wearing that hat? Are you sure? And I was, well, why not? <laughs> you know, but that I understood at the time of the game. When you see the people outside the arena, the Rogers place, by the way, it's an amazing place. When you see the people, how passionate they are and, and uh, how aggressive they can be inside the arena with the referees, with the, with the visitor team. This is just another kind of thing that we don't know yet how to handle in Las Vegas, to tell you the truth. We have a great, great uh, following uh, fanatics uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. We do. We love the team because what it means for the city is just amazing. Vegas Golden Knights. And I told them, I was in a TV interview uh, just a few moments ago. I'm sorry for that, TZ. Uh, and they asked me about the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights and the response for the Hispanics in Las Vegas. And I told them, look, we have to understand one fact. The first professional game for the Vegas Golden Knights happened on October the 10th. And after a big killing in October the 1st, and I'm talking about what happened, you know, the shooting from the Mandalay Bay. And, and I told them, this is not a logo for us. This is a shield. It is a shield that is the pain for Las Vegas and brought everyone together in Las Vegas. So we bought this thing. This is, this is part of a, identity already, you know, and, and, and uh, whatever I go, I just wear proudly the Vegas Golden Eye shirt. And, and uh, when I told them, this is not a logo, this is a shield, they were surprised about that. And I told them, you know, this is our team. This is our identity. But I think Las Vegas is on the way to become as fanatics as Canadians are on this uh, on this um, um, team. And you know what? Let me tell you something. 
a radio listener, a Spanish radio listener in Las Vegas, sent me a drawing. He's a uh, he's a um, he's an artist. You know, he does a drawing for different uh, magazines and newspapers. But he he sent me this because he owns a, a uh, landscaping company. And he sent me this uh, drawing. There's a guy with a with a blower. You know, uh, uh, most of the Hispanics are in the business of landscaping. Mm-hmm. With a blower, wearing a Vegas Golden Knight jersey, and he was blowing nothing but maple leaves with the <laughs> oilers. And the where did they get lows in it? I think it was hilarious. And then he asked me, "Can you imagine, Jesus? Should we become like the Canadian killers?" And I go, "You know what?" Okay. Just wait. That hasn't happened yet. I mean, we have three more games okay. to go, and and uh, but people are involved. You know, yeah. the Hispanics are involved in this, and we just love the team. It's it's beautiful. All right, so I, I got to ask you real quick because you know we're up against it. We got to get ready to leave, uh, Jesus. But I mean, did you find the restaurant? I got plenty of restaurant choices for you there. I mean, there's actually <laughs> even a couple good Mexican restaurants. Did you know that? You know, do I need to tell you? Yeah. Where to go? I went to this place that is called Maria, Mexican restaurant. Maria's, yeah, that's what I was going to tell you. you. Can't imagine. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Did you like it? Was it good? Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, Maria's Northern Mexican cuisine. Yeah, El Beso's Ma- there, yeah. and, and and Maria. So I'm glad you that you found that. And uh, you know, after the game tonight, uh, my friend, uh, I, I was told uh, go on down, tell Jesus to go to On the Rocks. All right, look for Christy with a C. She might be there. Cat with a K. A couple of our loyal Canadian listeners on the rocks after the game. So go go check okay. that out. Or uh, or go to Joey. Joey in the Bell Tower. All right there by the arena, my friend. Okay, I'll be there. You know, it's. Uh, I hope we can take this. Uh, you know, Adam Hill is going to be on the net tonight. Uh, yeah. I don't know who's. I don't know if they flew in uh, somebody already from uh, Las Vegas. Uh, I don't know if Giri Patera is, is, is there. We don't know yet. And you know what? What's really frustrating? This is the only league, uh, uh, TC, that they don't, they're not specific with the injuries. They just a lower body or oh, upper body. Know. Or brain. Yeah. That helps a lot, of course. You know, and, and, uh, but we don't know. The thing is that the Vegas Golden Knights have to do exactly what they did in the last game. You know, just try to concentrate. Focus and play subtle and uh, try to nullify, nullify, uh, um, Connor McDavid and, and, uh, don't give up power plays because of five, five on five, we are way better than them. This is a team that relies on only two, two, really, um, two players, mm-hmm. right? Subtle and Connor McDavid. Yep. Yep. And Vegas Golden Knights, if you look at the score, uh, of the score sheet, everyone scores. You know, I mean, what a goal from uh, White Cloud the other day. Everyone in Vegas is so balanced. Yes. So I think we can make it. All right. We will make it. We'll look forward to uh, the action tonight. We'll be watching, and I uh, know our Spanish audience will be listening to you, my friend, at 1460 and uh, on the uh, Vegas Golden Knights uh, uh, Spanish uh, radio network. My friend, enjoy Edmonton. Enjoy the call tonight. Rest up that voice, and let's talk to you uh, when you get back to Vegas. Thank you very much, Tissy. My pleasure, my friend. My pleasure. Be well. Appreciate you, brother. There is Jesus Lopez does a fantastic job on the uh, Spanish side of the Golden Knights, the Spanish voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. All right, we send you out to Paul Buck Power Stewart's favorite. There's always been one of my favorites. Always Pet Shop Boys, West End Girls. You got to love it. All right. The long intro is great, too. I love this. I want to thank Alan Snell for joining us. Jesus Lopez as well. All right, check it out tonight. Tomorrow, we're back at it. Scott Spritzer will join us. Recap Warriors-Lakers. 
Also, Knicks can they stay alive against the Miami Heat tonight in the NBA playoffs? And then the Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers should be a good one as well. Miss any part of the show? Go to the website. Check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. <laughs>